Welcome to Healthcare Happenings, a One Digital Employer Advisory Podcast. It's no secret that healthcare is complicated, and to prepare for the road ahead, business leaders need transparency and access to information in order to develop the best health benefit strategy. Our team of compliance leaders are here to shed light on the latest developments on the Hill and share their collective vision for ways to improve the healthcare experience. Welcome back. So we are on this series talking about well-being. So our regulars are, are back with me on this discussion. I'm Annette Bechtold. We've got Samantha Oliver, Ron Bargazzi, and Scott Wham here to talk about the next piece. We were we spent the past couple of sessions really talking about the career well-being, your sense of purpose, um, that translates to career. And we really uh, kind of unpacked that quite a bit. So we're on to the second one um, in the series and that we're going to tackle physical well-being. So that's the, the second area of well-being that people look uh, to thrive or not thriving, but thriving is what we're looking for in this overall well-being. These five pieces of well-being being career, social, physical, financial, and community. So as we kind of tackle this physical well-being, I want to just give a quick definition. So when we are talking about physical well-being, I think most of us sort of, maybe it's just me, but most most of us kind of have this thought in your mind of this person who is totally physically fit and they they have all this time to work out and like they they are this uh, wonderfully put together person that is like this uh, the epitome of what the physical stature should look like and that's what we have in our heads as physical well-being and and I want to kind of get rid get rid of that and say physical well-being really is about you as an individual and it's all about, do I have the ability to manage my health in order to have the energy that I need to do the things I want to do every day? That's really what we're talking about. So, it, you know, it's it's a much broader thing. Can I, can I do the things that, do I have energy to do the things I need to do? So, when we think about it more that simplistic approach, um, it really begs a lot of questions, I think, about, so why do people have poor health? What's contributing that? We, we talk about, of course, we're in this business where with health insurance and how expensive everything is and how expensive medical treatment is and that there's a lot of people in poor health. We see a lot of studies. So what are some of the things that we're seeing are the biggest systemic issues um, for health? And, and what are those contributors? I, I want to open up to the group. Let's just kind of identify what's the current state of things today. So I think one of the ch- the biggest challenges that we encounter when we talk about physical health is that for a huge chunk of the populations that we tend to work with, the working age populations, um, the risks of of losing physical health in many instances seems like something to worry about tomorrow. Um, you know, if you don't take care of yourself today, let's say you smoke cigarettes and you smoke cigarettes today, you're likely not going to die today. Uh, from smoking that cigarette. But if you continue to smoke the cigarette over a long period of time, obviously we all know what the health outcomes could be and if that's the trajectory that you're on. But the, the, the sense of urgency isn't necessarily there today to address a negative health behavior that could negatively impact you many years down the road in a very substantial way. 
And I think that sometimes it's important to, to address the systemic issue of, of saying, hey, this is something that's going to impact me down the road by constantly reminding yourself that, that, that when you get to that day where it impacts you, just how drastically it will impact your life. And, and just real quick, you know, I was out trick-or-treating with my son for the first time this past weekend. And one of my one of my neighbors I saw uh, was struggling to get out of the car. Um, she had just had a stroke. Um, she was sixty, late sixties, early seventies, and she couldn't walk. Her legs weren't working, and it had just happened. She had just was just coming home from the ER, and I had and and you know we dropped everything to go help her and her and her son who was helping her walk up the steps to get into her house and get settled. And what was notable was the fear on her face that her life had just changed drastically uh, in that afternoon. She, she wasn't aware it was Halloween. She wasn't aware, you know, that, that my, my, my little son was there. All that was imprinted on her face was that my life has changed forever based on what, I, what happened today. And it really impacted my wife and I, after we had this experience to say like, look, like this is, this is the type of reframing and the, you know, we were just confronted with this, with this individual who had just immediately lost physical health, who that was, you, you could see that was all that mattered to her in that front and in, in that, in that, at that point in time. And when we're younger and we're engaging in, in behaviors that might lead us to a, a higher stroke risk, risk or a higher risk of, of incurring heart disease or type two diabetes, it's not always easy to to consider our behaviors today impacting us in that way many many years down the road. So I think that that's one of the big challenges is that a lot of the behaviors that impact physical health negatively don't do so immediately, and 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 mm. getting ahead. Of it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, so. yeah. I mean, like for me, yeah, I'm in my like 30s. I don't really think about it. You know, I've always been physically active and physically fit. But, you know, I had a family health scare pretty recently and kind of learned that, oh, high blood pressure, heart issues do run a bit more in my bloodline that I was like, okay, I think I need to really like look back and see like, what am I eating? What is my diet? And then is like my actual like exercise going to help support the goals of hopefully avoiding that down the road? So generally, you're not thinking about it because, you know, you're living your day day to day, but it's kind of when you have that scare from either yourself or someone that you know it's kind of like oh brings it back into perspective of like i really need to take this into check and figure out what i'm going to be doing to hopefully prevent this in the future and you know i think maybe sometimes we think of these uh initiatives and in contexts that are much bigger than they need to be so i'm listening to you scott or something else you know, sometimes people think, well, I've got to get on an exercise program. Now, you were saying that earlier, this this image of the triathlete. And yeah. the fact of the matter is there are a lot of small things you can do and build up. And for me, you know, there's some sense of accomplishment when you start to do things and do it on a consistent basis. But, you know, you can start, you can walk for two blocks, and then the next week, maybe three blocks, um, you can start to cut back on salt, Sam, in your food. And, and uh, you know, maybe we say, well, we're not going to eat out for two weeks, things like that. But I think the small steps are a good start. And we talked about, uh, you know, the as bad as the pandemic is, the uh, obesity issue is causing this country so many problems that it's 
you know, we've got to start someplace. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I don't think exercise needs to be hours long in the gym, even like a 10 or 15 minute kind of just getting your heart rate. I mean, I've even done just like five minute workouts to just get your heart pumping. It's just kind of getting into that physical activity and then building that habit that eventually, hopefully it's kind of you crave it when you're not doing it. And then it's the other thing of like, maybe you have an extra glass of water before you have a meal or taking a look at what you're actually eating, trying to avoid those more processed foods. And then ensuring that you're still getting a good amount of sleep. I think stress really is detrimental to our health and it can help impact our bodies. We hold on to stress, you know, cortisol and, you know, that extra weight around on people's bodies is held on from stress. And then just having that inadequate, not inadequate sleep, you know, impacts us the next day. So I think there's a lot of things to physical health, not just hitting the gym and lifting weights or getting on the treadmill. I love that, um, Sam. Those are those are great, and you're right, Raj. Incremental things. I think people think, oh, it's one more thing on my list I have to do, or it's you know this seems so hard because I have to do you know go from zero to a hundred. And and there are really some very significant things to your point, um, Sam, that you can do that are well within your control. I think, yeah, we you know there's things we can't control, right? I can't control how old I am. This is just you know part of the calendar, right? I can't control the age I'm predisposed to live to either genetically. I also can't control if I have any sort of other genetic. Um, issues that will cause health problems. I can't fix those. Like we can't change those. But what we can change is the quality of life we have both before, during, and after those. What is our resilience, right? I think resilience is going to be really an important key. What, like your neighbor, um, you know, what? I'm sure there are going to be a million moments that she'll be like, what? Why didn't I? Why did nobody wants to be looking back thinking I should have? I wish I would have. Um, but also, am I giving myself the best chance to be resilient? How well can I recover from something if I do get it right? And those come from um, a lot of areas. I was reading um, a couple of different things that I, I thought were pretty interesting um, from one of the psychologists who were kind of talking about this well-being. And they basically said, from a movement standpoint, like just move. So, um, but how about 10 minutes every hour? Can you build in some sort of movement into your calendar for 10 minutes? Make your meetings 45 minutes, get up and go do something for the next time, then come back or something like that. Are there realistic things that you can do? I don't know. So I thought that was interesting. They also showed like 11 minutes, 11 minutes of lifting weights, 11 minutes. That doesn't seem like very much, right? It's shown to definitely increase your metabolic rate. So really some interesting small things. So what other opportunities do you think for people? I mean, Scott, you brought up like crazy busy lives and Yeah, and that I think I think that, that you and Ron and Sam all make really good points, which is that a lot of times um 
the the path to what we view as health for ourselves is often compared to somebody else's path. And, um, you know, I, I'm not immune to social media. I, I oftentimes feel deflated when I'm on social media and watch these people who have these incredible transformations. And, and, uh, you know, I'm at, I've, I've, I think I've reached a certain age now to where I don't care quite as much about, about their, their personal transformations, but, I, but it's a, it's a very unrealistic proposition to me. I am not afraid to say that my, my ambitions of running a marathon are behind me, right? That that's not, that's not what, what I want to get out of physical health. I want to be able I'm to just impressed you had ambitions. Let me be clear. Neither did I, I was a baseball player. The furthest <laughs> I ran was 360 feet. So let's be real. That, that was not a, not an aspiration of mine either. But my point being is that like, I, I don't have, I don't have ambition to be an elite athlete. I have an ambition to want to be able to walk and hike and be on a, a walking path for as long as humanly possible. I yeah. like playing golf. I want to be able to go out and walk a golf course. So what behaviors can I have to preserve that mobility and to preserve just that modest ambition of wanting to be able to preserve that for as long as possible? Because like I said, the experience we had on Sunday on Halloween was very uh, striking, right? Where you see somebody who had lost that capability. Um, so the, where, when I think about what can I do to put myself in that best position, it's, it's making sure that I, I walk, that I do move around throughout the day. I set aside a little bit of time to get up, stretch my legs, stretch my back, just walk. I'm not running anywhere. I'm not jogging, but also importantly, I, I really try to pay attention to, to the, and, and it's a consistent learning process, what I'm putting into my body. And, and one of the great things, at least in our household that came out of the pandemic was uh, we started cooking a lot more, which we weren't doing prior to the pandemic. So, uh, you know, learning about how to buy groceries, learning about uh, what foods you should be focusing on and then and then learning how to cook them in delicious exciting ways that uh you don't feel like you're necessarily eating healthy this has all been a process but it's not it's not i, I i'm trying to get a six-pack overnight it's i want to put myself in the best position to be able to walk enjoy my family um and 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 to be mobile for as long as humanly possible so it's a realistic vision of of what i want to get out of my life which is not climbing mount everest it's walking through valley forge park you know so yeah i love that a realistic vision is a great start so i think that's the first challenge we have for the folks listening um do something realistic. What what does the future look like for you? And then what do you what energy do you need to be able to thrive in that future? That's going to give you the things that you need to kind of do today, right? Just like well, you said, you laid that out really nicely, Scott. Yeah, there'll be payoffs for it. I, I mean, contrast when you have a cold and when you don't. You feel so much better when you don't. I think these little steps have great payoffs. Um, so it's the bottom line is important, I guess. Uh, as Scott said, pick which six pack you're talking about first. <laughs> you got it. Right you yeah, got it. The right one. You got it. As part of an overarching well-being, the the one the, 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 the certain six packs need to stay in my life because you know it's part of the over overarching enjoyment of life. But um, <laughs> but you know the the funny thing is though is that I, I think that when we historically when we talk about these types of steps. 
it's all viewed in the context of outside of work. But I know that in my personal life, before I moved into the industry that I'm in now, I worked for companies that had that perspective that this is something I navigate on my own outside of work. Right. Yeah, sure. And that, and that makes it that can make it feel overwhelming because there are only so many hours of the day now working for one digital and, 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 and being in this industry, I work for a company that does give me time to integrate these behaviors into my work day to where it's not all after hours or before hours. So I'm at, you know, if I'm caring for a sick parent, if I have a kid, you know, trying to, trying to take time for yourself to make sure you have time to go to the store to make sure you have time to go for a walk can be really hard. But if you work for a company that sees the upside in giving this type of space to be well on the job site, um, it really opens up a lot of interesting opportunities to to put people on great, uh, on paths to greater states of physical health. You should point out that that there are some easy ways to integrate some of this into your workspace. Uh, I, I know personally, I had really, you know, terrible back problems for over 20 years. And somebody I worked with who was a doctor was having some neck issues. So he started sitting on a Pilates ball and you can't do it for eight hours the first day, but I worked up to where I, I can do it now. And I haven't had any back problems since you notice that people have these little five pound weights in their office. I mean, these are, these are small little things that can help you get started. I think. Yeah, I think those are good. And again, it's got that opportunity too. And I know there's a lot of workplaces who like coordinate different group activities. Some people, again, you have people who are maybe, I don't want anybody, I don't want anybody at work seeing me when I'm working out or, you know what I mean? So there are private people, but then there are people who really thrive in that group environment. I know there's like a lot of, there's people who, um, you know, are doing, uh, you know, Zoom uh, meetings that are either Zoom yoga in the morning or meditation or like all of these different types of things that um, employees are offering. So even, you know, one of the things I would say, too, is employers don't have to do it all. Like there's probably passionate people in the organization that may also have certifications in some things or no, like they can let them put it together and let them thrive doing that and doing something great. And whoever wants to participate can in whatever way. I think so there's, you know, I, I think it doesn't have to necessarily cause undue stress on the, on the employer. Yeah. No, it, and, and what I love about a lot of the, the programs that we work with our clients to implement on this front is that they're not really that they're not really terribly expensive. It's more of an awareness and a time commitment. The expense is more in the time commitment than it is in any type of specific outlay. Um, but but the vibe and energy that can change and 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 the 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 overall buzz that can come to an office that 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 invests in giving employees the space to explore uh, uh, health throughout the day um, can far outweigh that, that the return on that investment can far outweigh any type of financial outlay. But just to give you some examples of, of how this can manifest um, in our office, we have uh, cooking competitions that are really fun where in, within the office, you know, the, the office might buy the ingredients and then we have a cooking competition where we learn how to cook a dish. We work in teams and, and it's really fun. You, and it's always a healthy dish and you learn how to do it over time. You start to identify the employees who really enjoy that and can run with it and lead it right. and, and make it fun. Similarly, yeah. we do, we do have 
maniacs in our office that are into things like CrossFit and in the running marathons and <laughs> cycling 150 miles on the weekend. Obviously, we want to encourage that behavior and give them space to, to yeah. share their successes and highlight their successes. But yeah. practically speaking, you know, when it comes to putting good food in your body and finding the time to go to the grocery store, that tends to be the top issue that we encounter with a lot of our employees. We have farm share programs that don't cost our office anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's just bringing them on site to give them the chance to sell to the employee population that we pay. So we were able to remove a pretty substantial barrier to getting access to healthy foods by right. engaging a farm share program and bringing it on site and the employees decide whether they want to buy it. But again, it's, it, it's more the awareness than it is any type of specific financial outlay. And I think the other thing COVID did too, like that time to go to, I don't have time to go to the grocery store. Hey, you can go shop online and go pick it up. Like that's been a convenient savings for a lot of families, right? Where they're just trying to juggle everybody's stuff. Well, heck it, now you can do that and pick it up on your way to somewhere else or whatever. The other thing that it does that I know, like for people like me, is it it helps prevent you from those impulse buys on the end caps of the things that are not healthy for you in the first place, right? So, um, when you know, so there are little things like that you can do to that changes it up and said, you know, in the time that you would have figured out what you want to order from fast food and then done Grubhub and all, you could have ordered groceries for the week too and picked up the healthy things and come up with a meal plan and then said, hey, here's what we're having and, and figured that out. So I think uh, COVID sort of forced uh, a number of like, it's an awful thing, but there were a number of good things like cooking and things that came out of it. Um, so diet, definitely important. What you put in is what comes out later, right? Um and, uh, you know, things you do topically are never as lasting as the things that come from inside out. So I think that's a, that's a critical driver. We talked about exercise. And one of the things, um, you know, when we think about both diet and exercise, you know, they improve uh, immunity, right? Our immunities to things. Um, exercise also, it improves our mood. It really does. And we talked about stress and burnout, and we've talked about that in the past. Um, but also, um, it also stimulates learning, which I think is also very interesting, too. The one we haven't talked about, I think the third one, so I think the big three that are well within everybody's sort of control to do something is get up and move. Figure out what that means for you and what you love to do. To your point, Scott, like, I'm not going to be doing triathlon, FYI. Um, but uh, the uh, diet, you know, that and, and what you eat, you can start to really uh, get excited about some different things and eating very healthy and you feel great. The other one is sleep. So let's talk about that for a minute. So what does sleep do and how much, how much sleep do people get, do you think? People are sleeping hours, but I don't know if it's quality of sleep. I think that's another thing of like, how much are you waking up in the middle of the night, tossing, turning? I mean, sure, I may go to bed at 9, 10, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily getting a full eight hours of sleep. Okay, so that's a really good point, Samantha. Like how how good is the like I might be in bed, but like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not really sleeping on mm-hmm. until like yeah. one o'clock. <laughs> so but according you know, to the CDC, they're saying about thirty five percent of Americans get less than seven hours of sleep a night. 
You, you, you know, it's I, I don't find that surprising at all. I fall in that bucket of individuals who only recently started sleeping closer to eight hours a night um, uh, just because of, of yeah. having a young child and, and the realities of waking up at, at 545 every morning now. Um, uh, but before I had my son, you know, what it, it, it was interesting. My mindset was when I finished, if I had a long working day, I would stay up later because I felt like if I don't stay up, this is the time I have to enjoy before I have to go back to work again. Right. So, so I had this, but, but I was, but it's exhausting. It can be really tired. I mean, I would go to bed at midnight one most nights of the week because that was the time where I'd watch my shows or I'd, I'd, I'd uh, read the books I want to read or whatever it is. But, but just recently getting that full eight hours of sleep is, has been a major change in, in my ability to attack the day. I, I, I'm, I'm now an evangelist for, for doing your best to get that about sleep. I'm like the last kid to learn how to swim. I'm like, this is so cool. Everyone's like, yeah, we've been doing it for years. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> um, it's interesting. They did um, a, bu- a bunch of different uh, they looked at sleep and that also builds immunity because um, that's when your body does all its repair and cellular work. And when you think about um, your brain, it's the only time your brain is like is is having that regenerative time um they said fewer than seven hours of sleep a night takes its toll on the immune system so i think that's interesting when i think about um you know people with poor sleep efficiency like you were talking about samantha how does that really play into it and are you more susceptible and getting sick right um Gosh, I remember my grandmother saying that you you brought yourself down. You're going to get a cold. You know, she probably wasn't. She wasn't wrong. You know, (laughs) I used to be like, yeah, whatever. You know, (laughs) but um, but there's a lot of truth to that. Well, to tie it back to tie it back to, you know, we we spent a lot of time talking about weight management because when we look at health claims in a health plan and when we look at chronic disease statistics, you know, the, the number one prophylactic measure someone can take to putting themselves in the best position, not to incur type two diabetes or 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 heart disease or, uh, you know, stroke is to manage their weight, but also weight management significantly impacts sleep. And, uh, uh, you know, things like, um, sleep apnea, which is a, which is a major risk which puts you in a major risk category for uh, certain vascular diseases and, and, and uh, uh, a whole slew of negative health outcomes mm-hmm. um, ties back to weight management and it's going to impact your quality of sleep. Um, and, and the amount of uh, sleep apnea treatments that we see in health plans consists is, is, has been on the rise for the past 10 years. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so it all kind of ties together where, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're not taking care of, of, of managing that weight and and you're not taking care of uh, putting the right things, it's going to impact your sleep on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the totally, totally agree with that. The other thing it does is it's a mood reset button. It resets your mood. If you think about it, like, so if you're like having a really crappy day and you get, and you, you, but you get this full eight hours of sleep or, and you feel, or you get really good sleep and you wake up and you're rested. Don't you have like this oh, total renewed look on everything? Like, yeah, you can go. But if you don't, 
you're in the same place you were when you went to bed, um, you know, in that same mindset. So I also feel, you know, it's got this kind of resetting ability too. And when we talk about stress and stuff, I think that's really important. And I feel like people who are stressed actually probably get less sleep because they think they have more stuff to do. Right. So it becomes this kind of crazy cycle. Or, or they worry about all stuff they got to do. Yeah, and then they don't fall asleep because they keep thinking about it. Exactly. <laughs> Write a list. That's my. That's what I always tell people. Write a list. It's there. It'll be there when you get up. Now you don't have to think about it. I mean, you know, that's those are there. So there are always like simple things to do. So, top top uh, advice. What are the five simple things within control that can help improve people's physical well being? A real easy one, a very easy one that that I'm a, I've become a big believer in. I guess like Scott is take probiotics every day, okay. and and it's amazing what it does to your digestive system. And, and that doesn't take uh, other than putting two gummy bears in your mouth doesn't take a whole lot of effort. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, what's yours, Scott? Uh, if you don't know how to, to buy groceries and you don't know how to shop, spend some time learning how to shop. Um, you know, it, simple advice. Don't buy anything on the inside aisles, buy your stuff on the outside aisles. <laughs> it's a simple step. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple store. Yeah. It's at the perimeter of the store. It's a simple step that you can take to making sure that you're, you're getting the best of what that store has to offer from a nutritional perspective. Love it. What about you, Sam? Uh, I guess mine would be just get moving some way, shape, or form. I mean, again, it doesn't have to be some set exercise routine. I mean, just getting up, you know, every hour, stepping away from your desk and stop looking at the computer screen or your phone screen and actually take a few steps, maybe get those light weights. Again, it doesn't have to take that much time. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And I guess my the thing I would leave people with is that you are worth it. You are worth the time to take to figure out the one or two small things. I know everybody is so busy worrying about taking care of others, but you can't take care of anybody if you don't take care of yourself. So you are definitely worth it. Take a few minutes and make a couple incremental steps that helps to improve your physical well-being and ensures that you can manage and have the energy to do the things that you need to do every day. With that, we're going to close out our physical well-being. And next time, we'll talk about financial well-being. That'll be our next session. So we'll see you then. Thanks. And thank you all for tuning in. Staying on top of compliance today can be the source of great concern and frustration. Our dedicated team of attorneys and experts look around the corner on your behalf and deliver the tools, education, and resources needed to help you plan for the future and protect your employees and business every day. You can access additional resources, employer advisory sessions, and podcasts on our website, onedigital.com. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time.